glad to have you with us tonight. A little instruction tonight, if I can, hopefully to encourage you. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Way up in the New Testament. 2 Timothy. We went to Hebrews, we went too far. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We'll start reading in verse number one. I'll read out loud. You read along with me silently if you would, please. As is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church, uh, we stand to show reverence to God's word, and then we follow uh, the leader. That's a new concept there. Okay, so we'll try that. Second Timothy chapter number two, starting in verse number one through verse number seven. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, Yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Our text verse would be verse number three. Verse number three. Thou therefore into your hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for telling us what we would never have figured out. Thank you for telling us and pointing out to us what we, most of us, would never tell ourselves or discuss with other people. But because you're such a good father, you will tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. You will guide us and lead us in ways we should go, not ways that we want to go. And so I thank you for all of that and much, much more. Please bless tonight. Thank you for the folks that are here. Lord, also bless those that are watching live stream, if they're watching now or whenever they tune in. I hope they do not break a rhythm that I have to see the Lord. I have to be with God's people. I have to listen at this time. Very important also. So thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. Help me now to help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to look at verse number three once again, if you would please. Thou therefore endure. Hardness, how? He didn't leave it up to you. He said, as a good soldier. Not just a good soldier, but belonging to someone rather peculiar. Jesus Christ. When the Apostle Paul uses this example, please understand, he's not just talking about a fighting man. He's talking about something else going on. He's not primarily talking just about that, but about a soldier's relationship to his commanding officer and his performances in his everyday duties. Now, that's very, very important. Because all the time you're in the military, you're not always fighting in a battle somewhere. A lot of it is just your day-to-day duties and your responsibility to those who have authority over you. So he's not speaking of becoming a Christian. He's talking about once you are a Christian, how to be a good soldier and a proper soldier in this thing for Jesus Christ. Vance Havner, most of you probably don't know who that is. He lived from 1901 to 1986. Great, great guy. Love reading his books. Love reading what he's written. He says this. This is a quote that he made. I'll let you know when I'm done with the quote. A Christian who is a disciple is one who trusts Jesus as his Savior, submits to him as their Lord, and takes the Bible as the law of his life. 
I continue on the quote. All of this should happen at the same time. Did you catch that part? You don't take him as Lord now and then Savior and then Savior and then I'll have him. To, no, all at the same time. It's all or nothing for the most part. So what you said here, he said, all this should happen at the same time. The Christian life is not a cafeteria line where you take what you want and leave the rest. You don't read the Bible and say, I like that part. I don't know if that's really for me. It doesn't work that way. Everything in here is for us one way or another. A good soldier is not just a good fighter. We tend to believe that. When you hear the word soldier, that's what you think of. For times when it does not call for fighting, he's kind of useless. He doesn't know what else to do. He fights. That's what he does. And when he's not fighting, he's not sure what to do. Many Christians in Christianity, they're always fighting. They're always finding something to fuss about. And if they don't, they're going to make up something. they they got to stay in, or they don't feel like they're worth uh, being the kind of Christian they think they ought to be. He's not just a spit and polish kind of guy because when a war breaks out, he really will probably cower. It's all about the show. That's just what he does. It's not one who is just in physical shape. A good soldier must be also able to think. He must make right decisions. He must learn how to follow instructions. He is a balanced individual. That is a good soldier. In 2 Samuel, go there. I want to point out something to you. Second, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. I've always thought this is probably the most balanced, other than Jesus Christ, this is probably the most balanced person I read about in the Bible that, that I can find. And I'll, I'll point out some things to you. Look at verse number 18. Let me, let me go ahead and turn this on. 2 Samuel chapter 16 verse 18. We're talking about David. Now, this didn't happen later on in David's life. This happened very early in David's life. But watch what happens here in verse number 18. 1 Samuel chapter number 16 and verse number 18. Are you there? Then answered one of the servants and said, Now, King Saul was losing it. He was just going stupid. Uh, and they looked for some. By the way, watch what he says. Find someone who can play. He's talking about playing music. And it wasn't so he can start hip-hopping and, and, and rock and rolling. It's so it could calm him down. Music is very calming, the right kind of music. And so watch what he says here. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse. This is David. David's still at home. He's not the king or anything. A Bethlehemite is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters, and comely and a, a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Understand what it's saying here. He's hitting all the bases, hitting every, every, every angle you can possibly think, cunning and playing music. By the way, David wrote psalms, beautiful psalms about the Lord. So David was able to do that. Somehow men think if you write poetry or, or songs of praise or even love song to your wife, that somehow that's sissified. Or there was a time when people played piano, they thought you were a sissy or faggot or something. That's just what they said. That's not true. That's why we're lacking good men pianists in our churches today. So he was able to do that. The Bible said he's my, he was a mighty, valiant man. That means he was strong. He's very vigorous uh, in, in the way that he did things, very courageous in battle. He wasn't somebody who stood back and said, what are we going to do? He knew his place, and he wasn't afraid to do that. So he was a mighty, valiant man. He said he was a man of war. David, from early in his life, knew what war was all about. 
even when he went to go see his brothers, it made sense to him. Why is that guy just down there talking like that? He somehow just knew this wasn't right in battle. He knew about these things. Then the Bible said prudent in matter. David was had an understanding about everyday affairs on how to act. Everyday affairs. Doesn't make any difference he's watching sheep or he's watching his brother in battle or he's talking to someone in the king's palace. It didn't make any difference. David was a very prudent in matter. And he knew he was very wise about making decisions in everyday matters. I'm amazed at how many people can't seem to do that anymore. They can quote Bible. They can tell you when church starts. They know what Sunday school class they belong to. So what are you going to do this? How am I supposed to know? You know, and they just walk right into traps all the time. David was not that kind of guy. The Bible said he was a comely person. That means he was decent. He was graceful. He was proper. Fellas, there's nothing wrong with being like that. Just proper. Just being proper. Just doing things right. Just being kind to other people. Just being the way that a real man ought to be. They didn't used to just call him a man. They called him a gentleman. Notice the first part, gentleman. Hold it, hold it. Don't forget the last part, man. A gentle man. Every bit of man, but gentle. Some guys don't know how to do that. And then I think the most important part is the last thing that they said here, and the Lord was with him. So with all this going on, without the Lord with him, David would never have been the man that he was. So no matter what you do, you can work out, go to war, you can be a comely man, you can write music, you can do all If the Lord is not with you, you're not going to amount to that much. I don't care how much talent you have. So number one, he was strong and intelligent. There seems to be opposites, don't they? Spit and polish, and yet he had stamina. Spit and polish, yet he had stamina. Looked like a good soldier outwardly and was definitely a good soldier inwardly. This is a very balanced individual here. I had a friend in uh, when I was in Vietnam. I did two tours of duty. I didn't, he did. And he finally ended up with us in our, in our camp where we were at. And uh, this guy, I mean, this guy could fight. I mean, he could fight, fight. And uh, when he was there, and uh, he, he if, if there wasn't something going on, it's just like he had, there was something in him that he always had to be in the middle of something. And when it wasn't, he'd go look for something. That's just where, and I'm not talking about with people outside our camp all the time either. So what happens is, is simply this, but the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 5, if you still remember where that's at, he said, if a man also strive for masteries, in other words, victories and championships, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. If you don't do it by the rules, if you don't do it by the, by the laws, you're not going to get the reward. So here he's simply saying a trained soldier, a trained soldier, according to 2 Timothy 2.5, if you're going to do th- if you're going to be rewarded, you got to do it, look up here, by the law. As a Christian soldier, you must learn to fight God's way. You can't fight the way you want and still expect the rewards that God offers. A good soldier is not just the winner, but one who stays within the rules and laws and wins. Big difference. A lot of people shortcut. You you go on a lot of runs or or a lot of people, they'll, they'll say, if we cut through here, we'll still beat everybody. Trouble is, they said you can't do that, and you did it anyway. And so, therefore, you're not, you should not be rewarded. We must learn to soldier. This was so frustrating to me when I first got saved. Actually, I told my brother one time, I said, you know, I just got to the age and size. I know how to fight like out on the street, but now you're telling me I need to learn all this. I was so confused. I had no idea what God wants half the time. You say, well, what would you do? You have to learn. 
You have to learn to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When a sinner first gets saved, all these rules, I mean, come on, all these rules and you can't do that and God doesn't want that. No, you got to do it this way because God said and you think, oh, come on. When I first went in the military, I never could understand why they did what they did. I mean, really, what's shaved head got to do with killing enemies? Polishing boots, really? Just give me a gun, point me in the right direction. Let's get it with you. But that's not what they wanted. There was a lot of reason behind all of that. So you, so you need to be trained. The Bible, Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child. You ever notice, we always compare that, we always look at that as being a fleshly child. And I think that's a good application. But what? The Bible said you are born again. So you are a child. So everybody who gets saved has to be trained up. Trained up, the Bible says. Trained up in the way that he should go. Right here. This is the way you should go. Yeah, but I think, not interested in that. If you're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, if you're going to reflect Jesus Christ, you have to do things his way. In order to do that, you have to be trained as a good soldier. In the military, when I was in there, I was in there in 1969 and 1971, there were different levels that you have to go through. Everybody goes to basic. It's called basic first. Obvious reasons, okay? Just to let you know, it's not that deep, folks, okay? So what you have here is you have basic, then you'd go to AIT. I'm not sure what they call it in the Navy, probably some sissy name or something. But in the AIT, advanced individual training, and then you could go from there. It's all according what was available and what they needed to different type of specialized uh, training from there. Basic training is called that, like I said, for obvious reasons. This is the starting point, look at me, for all soldiers. I don't care what your age is. All soldiers start with the basics. What gets us as human beings, we get saved, we're 30, 30, I think Brother Usher was like 30, 31 years old when he got saved. And you would think to yourself, yeah, but I already know so much. No, you don't, you don't know him. You're a babe in Christ and you have to learn. If you're ever going to be a good soldier, you have to learn what your commanding officer wants you to know and how he wants you to act. If you're ever going to be crowned, if you're ever going to receive the reward, you have to strive lawfully. You have to go by the rules. That's just the way that it is. This is the starting point of all soldiers. No one bypasses, I don't care how smart you are, how old you are, basic training. Nobody in the military, they look at him and go, wow. You could probably go right to special forces. They never did that to anybody. Even if you look like that, no, got to go to basic. Everybody starts at basic. You know why? Because it's basic. Isn't that deep? You need to write that down. In basic training, they started you right off the bat, physical fitness. But before that, you're going to learn how to follow orders. You won't believe this. You think I'm loud at times? Do you know they yell? Well, I don't know about now. They used to yell at people in the military, didn't they? There's a Marine right there. They used to yell at people. And they didn't care who your sister was, who your mother was. How do I know that? Because that, that, they told me. So what happens here, physical fitness. Now, personally, I didn't think I needed physical fitness. Man, I was already in tip-top shape. Man, I could take it. I mean, I've been there. I mean, we used to play tackle football with no pads of 30, 35 guys on the side. Always broke out in gang fights. Always did. Man, I'm in good shape. Before I was done, my muscles hurt in places. I'm not even sure there were muscles there. Man, it was tough. Everybody has to learn. Everybody has to be trained. They've got to get you in physical shape. Many new Christians think like I did when I first went in. I don't need this. I already know. I go online and learn. Oh, no, when I was younger, I was told, 
Yeah, try that in the military. Yeah, I was in the Boy Scout, so I don't need basic training. Good, tell them. Just tell them. They'll understand. So the thing is, they want you in tip-top shape, and so that's what happened. Also, the discipline. Now, that is something that's lacking, and I understand it. That's why our military is falling apart. There is no discipline anymore. You don't have to endure a thing if you don't want to, which amazes me. It seems so goofy. Seriously, this whole discipline thing, most of it, I didn't think had any real purpose to it whatsoever. Honestly, the whole time this is going on, I'm thinking to myself, what does this got to do with anything? I mean, that's just the way I thought all the time. I joined the Army. Okay, I was asked to join the Army. But anyway, I was in the Army. And I thought to myself, okay, I'll go from here, learn a little bit. Let's go fight somebody, okay? No, it don't work that way. They really don't care. It's just not what I, would, I, I thought it was going to be. You know what? They didn't ask me what I thought it was going to be. They really didn't even care. Now, the fact of the matter is, in Christianity, I listen to you and I go like, yes, I understand. I got it. You know what I just said? I pay no attention to you, what you just said. That's a kind way of doing that, right? You know why? Because what you have are ideas of what you have learned from the world and what you think is right and wrong, and God just does not work that way. So what happens during this whole time, during this whole discipline thing here, stand at attention. What's that got to do with anything? Okay, watch this. All right, everybody out of bed. Time for lunch, uh, time for breakfast. Get up, get up, get up. And then you go out and stand in a line for an hour. Everybody's in. And then when you get in there, they go, don't chew that food. Put it in your mouth. You chew it later. And they get you right back out again. I'm thinking, what, what has this got to do with anything? They had those kinds of things going on. Up at 4 o'clock. Cut off all your hair. Seriously? You don't have to worry about that. Cut off all your hair. Man, I had that most beautiful kind of hair. Man, I'm telling you. Now, I wasn't a hippie. Never was a hippie. I used to put people that were hippies. But anyway, uh, that's who's running your country right now, old hippies. And they would start to head up that went from one end of the room to the other end of the room. They must have had eight or nine chairs there. And you should have seen some of these guys that were always doing this, you know, had their hair on, and their hair was everything. And they knew it. And these guys got these clips that look like hedge trimmers. And they're just, they would whack it here or go down the middle or make you look like you got uh, Mickey Mouse earmuffs on or something, you know. And these guys, they were crying. I mean, absolutely grown men, well, older guys crying because their hair... Once it was all gone, you felt so silly till you went outside and said, now we all look the same. So nobody made fun of anybody because they were all the same. You won't believe that. Then they took away all your individual clothes and made everybody wear green. You know what they were doing? Taking away your individual identity and we're going to work as a unit. We're all going to be together in this. You're not better than him. You don't look better than him. You're all bald. There's no black and white here. We're all green. That's what these tell us all the time. And so what happens here is simply this. March in cadence. You should have seen some of these hillbillies trying to get trying to get a rhythm. It was so silly. They're tripping people, and man, they yelled and screamed at them. They got it. They finally understood. Left, right. Not part left. Okay, right, right. No, no. Then they would teach you how to skip to get back in cadence. And it really was quite a learning process. Stand in lines for everything. Hurry up and wait. I don't know how many times I heard that. Sorry, told me to hurry up. Shut up, Bell. Get in line. Why? I mean, it just never made sense. But I had to learn some discipline. Use the weapons that they gave you. You had to learn how to use the weapon. Army issue. Everything was army issue. You're going to use what the army issues you. You're not going to use what you got. 
you're not going to go, hey, I got this real poor weapon at the house, I'll go get it and come back. Even if it is a real poor weapon, you ain't using it. You're going to use what the army gives you. You know, they've been in business quite a while. They do know. They won, well, except until Korea, they won about everything. But anyway, you did not just grab any weapon you thought you liked. To be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you need to learn well how to use all of the basic weapons that they gave you. Now, when I went in, it was the M14s what we started with. They were right in the transition going from the 14 to the 16. So before it was over with, I was good with an M60, a 45, an M15, uh, an M16, and also an M14. Because that was just the transition we were in. Because of what I did, that's what I did also. I'm just trying to tell you what a great guy I was. Now, by the way, guess what happened? Then you go to AIT, Advanced Individual Training. You won't believe what happened. More physical training. I thought we were through with that. No, 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 more physical training. It helps you. The more physical you become, the more in, you're able to endure things. The more, even on bad days, you can still make it because you're physically fit, and they're going to make sure you're that way. And then there's more discipline. They would just flat tell you, you're not here to do what you want to do. And they really didn't care whether you liked it or not. And I know all this sounds strange to you, but even in Christianity, we're getting to the place that if the preacher stares at you and says, no, it's, I'm done. I'm going to go to a community church. They're nicer there. And this is what's happened to the, I, I don't think the Marines yet. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah. So what was, you were just telling me that when they apply for jobs where you work, if it says 1980 or later, they don't even pay attention to it. 1981. How many of you were born after 1981? Yeah. I rest my case. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, anyway. So watch what happens here. What happens is, soldier, you don't have a right. What? What do you mean I don't have a right? I'm an American individual. Yeah, we're in the Army now. We're right behind the cow. We'll never get rich by digging a ditch. You're in the Army now. Okay, so there we go. Now, follow orders. Orders. I'm going to order you. We're not going to ask you. Well, today they do. We're not asking you. We're telling you. We got people who just left our high school that joined the military. And I can tell you right now why they joined. They did not join to defend America, and they did not join to fight. They joined for the benefits, and they're praying like crazy. Nothing happens with extra fighting. That's not the way it used to be. By the way, my first month's pay, actually, when I was in Vietnam, getting jump pay, hazardous duty pay, getting demolitions pay, getting E-4 pay was $498 a month. survived on that. I'm just trying to tell you what a great guy I am. So anyway, it helps to get over your personal feelings about you. We're way too, you want to know why I pick on people, make fun of people? Because of that right there. We think way too highly of ourselves. I'd say the, the, the classic thing is socks. It just, it just is. Okay. It just is. The world, the schools had convinced her that she had a multiple identity in her background, and I just blew that right out of the water. I said, uh, what's your background? Let me see, I'm Vietnamese, Cambodian, Chinese. I said, excuse me? Oh, yeah, I really am. She was serious, has a heart attack. And I said, you're what? Where were you born in America? I said, you're in America. It's like she didn't, all the oxygen went out of the room. She didn't know how to breathe. And then she'd come down this hallway over here. I'd poke fun at her because the, 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 the public school had made her think that's real serious. 
Man, that's really serious. Oh, yeah, that's really serious. So I'd make fun of them. But I'd make fun of everybody. I'd make fun of hillbillies, black people. It's not. What made him touchy was the world. God didn't do that. So I put, so she's coming down here, and I would tell her all the time. I said, hey, hi, Asian. Hey, Brittany. And she'd go, you know, whatever. We did that for a while. Then pretty soon she'd smile and wave. Then one day she's coming down through there. I said, hi, Asian. Out of nowhere, and you remember this too. She goes, hi, white man. She put her hands over her mouth and said, Preacher, I'm so sorry. I started laughing. I said, that is so funny. But see, you're going, I don't know if you should talk like that. Then I suggest you don't. But we think way too much of ourselves. And in the military, they're going to take away all your personal identity, and it's just us people wearing green, bald-headed people. You got it? So that's the way it was. Why? It's to help you get over yourself. And then add training in your speciality. Army needs certain slots filled. They have their mind and say, okay, we need guys in this area, guys in this area. How in the world I end up being a demolitions expert, I have no idea. My brother went in. Now, here he was, six foot one, 200 pounds as a clerical typist. He went to Germany, and this whole thing about, no, I signed a contract. I don't know what they do now. Back then it was like, yeah, okay, go ahead and sign it. It doesn't mean anything. He went to Germany. He never was a clerical typist. They said, you see that big tractor trailer out there? Threw him the keys and said, you need to learn how to drive that. We need a truck driver. So he's cutting off buildings. He's ripping down telephone poles. He's going through all this kind of stuff, going through Germany as fast as he can. And then he went to Vietnam, become almost a, a, an infantry guy. So you have to understand there's things you have to learn that's not always going to fit your dream. In 1 in Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18, whatever the army needed you, that's where they put you. And then they would train you to fill that slot. How can I say that? When Christianity in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one in the body, as it hath pleased him. You want to know why you're here in Anchor Baptist Church? God put you here. You said to do what? We may not know that yet, but he has a purpose for you. So you need to be trained. So we'll get to that here in a minute. You say, preacher, uh, where, where, do, where do I fit? Well, the army, what they do, they test people. They will give you writing tests and agility tests. They give you all kinds of tests. And then they'll put down on paper, okay, uh, here's your MOS from now on. This is, what, this is what you're known as. This is what we're going to teach you to do. And uh, I became a combat engineer. I didn't know what that was. And they put a little cool uh, number and letter with it. You know how they do. You're a 12 Bravo C whatever number. Okay, whatever. And so they sent you off, me, to Fort Linwood, Missouri. It's got to be the coldest place on the planet. In the wintertime, in the Ozarks, during December, January, and February. You want to know why I hate the cold? The military did this to me. I hate, I'd rather go back to Vietnam. Seriously, I would. Well, especially now, there's not much going on right now. But anyway, so, so where do you fit in? Okay, let's try you out. Ready? Uh, maybe you'll work on a bus. Ah, oh, preacher, I've never worked on a bus. Maybe you'll work on a bus. We're going to try you out. Maybe you belong in the choir, uh, but I, I'm not sure. And so now all of a sudden i got to take you out and your feelings are hurt. My brother complained, what am I doing drive tractor trailer? I'm a clerical typist. They didn't even listen to him. They didn't care what he had to say. 
So what happens here is that you need to try everything. Maybe it's the choir. Maybe it's a custodian. That's a big name for a cleaning church. Maybe that's you. Oh, no, I, I, I went to college. You're just not listening, are you? Okay, you think that made you something. It didn't. And so how about working in the bookstore? How about a Sunday school teacher? Be tested. Give every opportunity your best, and let's see where you fit in. God put you here. God did it on purpose. There's something, and the military did the same thing. And we're talking about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, what we're talking about here. But understand, to whom much is given, much is required. This is what the young Christian doesn't understand yet. Yeah, I can do that. I'll take care of that. But they do not understand the weight of that decision, what comes along with it. It's not just a title. It's not like you work in a factory out here or in some office out here somewhere. No, this is serious business. Very serious business. You see, to whom much is given, much is required. Punctuality. Oh, military expects you to be punctual. Oh, they really do. You fall asleep in class, and boy, you'll regret that real quick. Yeah, you'll put toothpicks underneath your eyes, brother, if you're mobile. Anything. And they'll look at you and go, and they'll yell and scream, oh, my goodness. And then when you're in Fort Linwood, Missouri, it's so cold outside, they got the heat going on the inside, and you're done up here going like this all the time, and they're just walking back and forth just waiting for you to finally nod off. You know what they're trying to teach you? Stay awake. You can do this. You're going to learn how to do this. And that's what they're trying to teach you. All of these different things going on, how to control your words, attitude, pay your tithes and offerings, soul winning, outward example, inward example, support leadership. All these things are things you have to learn, just like in the military. Why did God use the example of a good soldier? Why did he use the example of a soldier? Because the similarities are actually there everywhere. Everyone in the military goes through basic. Now, some quit. My brother joined, and then a couple of weeks later, he said, no, I'm not cut out for this. He walked off. Now, if you can't cut it, you can't cut it. So he just walked off. He thought, well, that'll do it. You know, just like a job, I'll just quit. So one day, we were over at a guy's house working on an engine, and this van pulls up. guys got out in uniform. Some military police. And they walked right over, put his hands behind him, put him in handcuffs, put him in the back, and drove him right back to the military base. I'm going to start the CPs, church police. We're going to start coming after some people with camera and everything. We're going to put you on the nightly news. And what did he do? He'd been skipping church. Everyone goes to AIT. If they get the basics and there is a place for what they do, if not, they will train you to do. You're not just to be sitting in here. Everybody has a talent, a place, a spot for you. I don't care how mundane you think it is or what you think you're worth. There is a place for you, and you have to be taught how to do that. And then thirdly, you go to special advanced training. Um, now things start deciding on how far you want to go. And how good are you at different things? Okay. You could be airborne, obviously, right? Microsoft, aerosol. Anyway, some people go to Rangers. Some people go to Special Forces. Some people, Delta Force. Some people, Sniper. That's, that's a whole different range of things right there. You say, well, what happens during this special advanced training? You won't believe this. More and more physical training, more and more discipline. 
more and more learning. Are you getting a picture here in your Christianity? He's comparing what should happen in the military to what should happen to a soldier. There is no place for a real soldier to quit learning and quit training for what he has to do. And the same thing in Christianity. Be the good soldier. In order to do that, you must be in training. Training areas you thought you already knew in, they're going to train you even better in. When I was in the military, they used to call them Tennessee squirrel hunters. Okay, all you Tennessee squirrel hunters, forget everything you know about shooting a gun. Except they didn't call it a gun. They said, forget all you know about that because you don't know anything. They're going to teach you how to shoot a weapon the way they want you to. You're going to use the weapon they give you, and you're going to follow the orders that they tell you. Man, I've been shooting a rifle ever since I was a kid. They don't care. They don't care. You're going to do it their way. By the way, God didn't ask you what you thought about how he set this whole thing up. You know why? He's kind of been here a little longer than you have. And he says, if you're going to be a good soldier, you need training. And this is the manual, and I'm the guy that's going to help you. You do what you're told, and as you go out there one of these days, oh, yeah, you may get shot, you may get hurt, you may get into a lot of skirmishes, but you'll still survive out here. I never understood in basic training what all this is about. When they say, Val, give me 10, and you're supposed to fall to the ground and just pump it out 10 times. So there you are in battle, and somebody says, duck, and you go, what? You're dead. You have to learn how to do what you're told in the little things because the bigger things are coming. Training to overcome. You need to train to ignore what a lot of other people may tell you. You must learn the discipline. Tough yet controlled. Tough yet controlled. A good soldier, first of all, is a trained soldier. Second of all, an enduring soldier. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3 again. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3 again. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse number 3. Read it once again. Thou therefore endure, not just endure, hardness. And then he tells you the example of a good soldier. So Paul is around the Roman soldiers. At one time they, they ruled the whole world. And they knew what soldiering was all about. And Paul used to watch these guys all the time. He said, okay, let me give you an example. Christian, you need to be a good soldier. And in their mind, they're picturing a soldier. What he had to put up with, what he had to face, what he had to do without, what he deprived himself of, what his reward was, sometimes overlooked altogether, sometimes for weeks on end, gone from his home. And all of this, he said, okay, you want to be a good soldier, but this is for Jesus Christ. You understand that? And so they could start seeing the example and the comparison here. It is, is it not true what we call a Christian, when we call a Christian a strong Christian, is when he stands up under pressure. Some guy goes, man, that's a good Christian right there. The guy who skips church and doesn't hang around and doesn't get involved, we go, man, what a great guy. We don't do that. You don't do that with a soldier either. A guy doesn't get a lot of medals just because he didn't get involved in anything. It doesn't work that way, and he's comparing this to a soldier. You have to understand, is it not true, we call a Christian, a strong Christian, when he is not shaken under trouble? He just handles it. This is what I've been trained to do. This is what's right to do. He carries out his duties no matter what he has to face. When, when I see uh, Sarah is here and I see Miss Deidre here and some of you others have been going through Brother Usher does me a lot of good. Now, Brother Usher is, he really is a man's man. You know, he's he not a very big man's man, but he's a man's man. And uh, when he came here, he's a block layer, a brick layer, a mason. Not a ring bearer mason. Ooh, aren't they? 
Okay, we'll skip that part. And, uh, and what he would do, man, I used to call him crusher because from picking up all those blocks and putting them, man, he had a grip just was good. He was always, I think the first time we went solo, he went with me. And I said, okay, you're going to be my silent partner. You remember that? We went all the way down the bottoms. I said, okay, we're going to be a silent partner. And I said, uh, and here's what we're going to do, and here's what you'll have to do. And so you just follow what I tell you. And I said, I'm going to go right to this house. Along the way, if you happen to see somebody that you'd like to talk to, just go ahead. I got out of one side of the car. He got out of the other. I think it was two and a half hours later we saw each other. And he just took off that way talking to people, and I went down this way talking to people. And the two of us finally met up and had all kinds of stories that we wanted to share with one another. But there's training that goes on here, carrying out your duties no matter. And so here he is now. Here he is now, still being used of God, still being used of God. Deidre, still being used of God. Sarah, still being used of God. David still being used of God. There are people all over here that have gone through a lot of injuries. They've been wounded a lot. They've gone through a lot of trials, and yet they're still walking forward, serving their Lord. The good soldier has to learn to endure some things. One of the things you need to learn how to endure is loneliness. Most of us, we are social creatures. God made us, and I think designed us that way. You're going to have to learn to just get over it. I went to Vietnam. My wife loved this story. And I was dating this girl before I went. Now, you have to understand, I wasn't saved, you know. Okay, so I didn't get saved. And I, I was dating this girl. Oh, don't leave me. Oh, what am I going to do without you? You know how it is. And yeah, 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 I understand. I mean, what's not to love, right? I got it. And so off to Vietnam, I went. Now, when you first go over there, they do not send you all your mail every day because when I first went there, I went to, I think it was Da Nang, and then I went from there to another camp, and then two days later, I went, uh, I got on a smaller plane, and they puddle jumped me up north, and then I went from there to a three-quarter to one LZ, and they took me from there by helicopter to another LZ, so I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So about two weeks later, I get two weeks worth of mail. Man, this is great. So I put them all by date. You know how you do it. Okay, I want, I want to read it in rhythm. I see what's going on here. Oh, dear, I miss you. Oh, I can't stand it without you. Oh, blah, blah. oh, man, this is great. Next letter. Oh, boy, I can't wait. So first two or three letters was like, man, I can't believe what I read. Uh, by the way, I was with Gary the other night. We had a good time. See you later. What was that all about? Gary's my best friend. Was my best friend. Then I get the letter. I'm sorry, I just can't wait this long for you. It's been two weeks. I can't wait this long for you to come back. And I went out with your friend the other night. I thought, you kidding me? I didn't get through all ten letters and it was over with. He said, what'd you do? Well, once I quit crying. They wouldn't let me leave because some girl dumped me. They wouldn't let me leave because you lose a job. They wouldn't let you leave because you're not in contact with your family back home. You got a job to do. You're just going to have to learn to put up with some loneliness. You can't quit. You can't walk off. You can't let somebody else do your duty. Soldier, get back where you're supposed to be. You are not the first or the last one that ever suffered loneliness. You're going to have to learn to endure hardships. You're just going to have to learn. The reason some of you don't, you've never learned. You can. You don't want to. You're not going to. You'll never be the soldier God intended you to be. You're just going to have to learn to suffer. Learn, toughen up. Why? For Christ's sake. For his sake. You're a soldier of his. So it's not only loneliness, but difficulties. 
Many times your superiors will put you in situations, very difficult things you're not used to, to find out if you can do them. Every area in life that you want to name, people do that. Uh, you were just telling me about teaching a mechanic. I've never done this before. Well, that's how you learn, knucklehead, by getting in some place where you don't know and let somebody teach you. And the same thing in the military, the same thing in football, same thing in wrestling. Everything you do, they put you every so often in a difficult situation to see what you've learned and how you can handle things. They did the same thing with me when I was, when I was in, in the military, Vietnam, things like that. They did that kind of stuff all the time. Many times your superior will purposely put you in a difficult situation, listen, Christian, to give you experience so you can become that good soldier that they believe you can be. And you have to learn. So quit backing away. Hey, I could really use you out on a bus ride. Whoa, preacher, I've never been on a bus ride. I hate kids. Who doesn't hate kids? I hate kids. That's why we run three buses right now. Basic guard duty, an example of that. When I first went in, uh, they had these, they called them guards, and they'd watch over things. And, and I never was one until I got to basic down in Fort Gordon, Georgia. And then you had these barracks. They were two floors, and you had guys all racked out on both sides and uh, bunks up and down all across on both sides and down on the first floor, same thing. And they had a guard that would walk duty. Over what? These are Americans. What are they going to do? Overthrow the country? But they would get you to believe, this is serious. We catch you sleeping or you, do, or you doze off somewhere, you'll never, you'll regret. And so they, they make you think like everything's depending upon you. These are just Americans who just got in the military. So there you are walking around and you think, what's the big hairy deal? Then I went to AIT and uh, advanced individual training and there was more guard duty. Except now it wasn't in the barracks. Now they put you out by some horse farm and there were no horses there. And they would convince you, you need to watch over this place. Okay, not sure why, but that's what you told me to do. So one day I was walking at Boris Fusenkrupp, and I found this room that had a boiler in it. And it was warm. <laughs> we'll be back around to check on you. That's okay. I was as nervous as you could be, but boy, it felt good inside. I'd open the door and look outside and I'd close that back up again and I'd go like that, you know, all the time. So I was cheated. You shouldn't do that. I don't know why I even told you that part of it. I was doing so well up to then. They just told you it was very serious. I can tell you why. Because you see, later on, when you're in a jungle and lives are depending upon you and you're in guard duty from like 2 to 4 in the morning and there's nobody else around, and their lives are depending upon you. That's why back here when you thought it was silly, you needed to start learning. And then here, still didn't make sense, but okay, at least I'm giving into it. And then you get out here and they say, Bell, take that position down by that path and you keep guard. Two in the morning till four in the morning. Or they tell you like they did me one time. This again, this makes no sense to me at all. They convince you that Charlie could sneak through wire no matter what you had there and cut your throat. Nobody knows it. No. She actually bought into that. So then while you were there, when you're out in the woods, it's monsoon. You're in triple canopy jungle. You can't hardly see the light to begin with. Now it's raining like crazy. So you put on a plastic poncho. It's like putting on a tin roof. It's making so much noise, you can't hear anything anyway. It's so dark, you can't see that. You go like this, you can't see anything. You don't even have a sense of how far your hand is. Bell, go 
things. <laughs> Keep an eye on what? So I'm down there with my M16. It's raining, and it gets cold in Vietnam. When you go from 110 to 115, humility, hu humility, <laughs> humidity, all the way down to about 60, that's cold. My hands were so shriveled, it hurt to pick up my rifle. And it dawned on me, I've got this poncho on. I can't hear a thing. I can't see anything. I wouldn't move if they did sneak up on me. I thought, what in the world am I doing? But that's what they told me to do. And I'll do it. Because that's what needs to be done. Are you getting this picture of Christianity here? And then, loneliness, difficulties, hardships. Disciples. Christ's disciples one day, they've been at it really good. They fed a lot of people. They saw some miracles. They did some teaching. All of this was going on, and bad news came. John the Baptist was hit. They couldn't believe it. They were shocked. They went over and got his body, and they told the Lord what happened. And Jesus told them, okay, you need to come apart for a few minutes. When all that was done, prayer was made, and you got a little rest. Time to get out of here. It's time to go. There's no time to quit. Folks, listen to me. Before it's over with, the longer we live, the more of our friends are going to see dying and passing away. Sorry. You say, that's kind of hurtful. No, that's kind of reality. The same thing in the military. We'll talk about that in a minute. Find out in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 10. Turn there real quick. Hurry, you're slowing me down. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 10. You're just going to have to learn to endure some things that are hurtful, hard, lonely. Some of these things here, difficulties. It happens, folks. It's reality. I'm sorry. Zero generation, listen to me. It's not what you think life is. You've got to quit thinking that way. This is reality. If I could say go in the military and learn something, but I can't. When my son went in, he said, Dad, what do you think of the military? I said, James, I don't know what to tell you anymore. It's all changed. And he found that out. As soon as he was getting ready to, to do his final test to become a sniper, which he did become one, he was outdone by a girl because they cheated because they were trying to meet a quota instead of finding out who's most qualified. That is not equal. That is very unequal. So he told me about it. I said, James, try to tell you. I don't know. I just know it's, it's all wrong over there. First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 10. But the God of all grace, doesn't that sound good, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. I love all that. Don't you love all that? After you suffered a while. Okay, cut that part out. That is the first step to the rest of it. After you suffered a while. You said, how long is that? I don't know. It varies, I suppose. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, set. That sounds like somebody's been in the military for a while and they don't get real shaken up about anything. Yeah, I've seen that before. Not been through that before. Ah, we'll be okay. I just follow and do what you told. What were you trained to do? Do that, soldier. And they don't seem to get real route. First sergeant used to be that way all the time. Even when I was in Vietnam, I was out with the infantry a lot in the woods and and uh, they'd say, well, you know, we're going to give you this recommendation for accommodation and for this and that. And I'd take it to my first sergeant. And I said, here you go. Well, he'd wad it up and throw it in the trash can. He said, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. Tell them quit writing letters for you. And they just send me on my way. I thought, man, that's a lousy thing to do. I'm, I'm a real hero. You just didn't know it. 
But see what he said? After you suffer a while. I was a combat engineer in Vietnam and um, that was demolitions. Right on the other side. And um, one day we got a call because I was out with the infantry a lot. We got a call and there was alert patrol. Alert patrols are the seven man patrol, long range reconnaissance patrol is what it stood for. I think they melted them into other we got a call that said they'd been ambushed and we need to get out there. So we got on helicopters and as we started to fly that way, the rain and the fog was so thick they couldn't do anything. Afraid they were going to run into the mountain up where we were at. They were out in the mountains. And they said we can't do that. So they went all the way back and landed. Everybody stay on, on alert. We're getting ready to go back out since we're over time. So they tried it again. Now to understand, these guys are in a firefight. They're being ambushed. They called in and said we need help. So they flew us almost all the way back out there. Couldn't land. We couldn't see the top of the mountain we were supposed to land on. Turned around and went all the way back. Did it a third time. Was barely able to land. And we landed. The first dead body I ever saw in my life. There's seven of them. All of them were soldiers. The first dead body I ever touched was that day. The first body bag that I ever flipped was that day. All at once, it just hit the reality of what could happen. You say, what'd you do? We took care of the problem, put them all in body bags, got them back on helicopters, and drove them home. And we went on. It's not like TV at all. It's not like makeup. It's not like you, well, I make this, I think it's like this. No, that's the reality. That is the reality, and, and it can get much worse than that, but that's the reality of it. You have to understand, there's too many Christians bailing out because they lost their... I'm going to tell you something right now. I have seen thousands of spiritual body bags, thousands of them. I've been saved over 51 years. I've seen thousands of people come and go, and a lot of them died. The enemy had killed them whether it's because of their, their lackadaisical attitude or they weren't paying attention or they got signed, whatever the case is, they died. They're not here anymore. They're not serving the Lord anymore. They're not living the way they should. And I watched them as they died, as Satan took them right out of the battle. He said, Preacher, what are you doing? Every time I hear some names, I just want to stop. I miss them. I wish they were here. I said, what are you doing? Well, you see, on Sunday morning, you expect me to preach here. So I have to get back up and preach, no matter what's going on, no matter the loss. On Sunday night, and you expect me to be jovial all the time. That is the persona that I have. I, I really am most of the time, believe it or not. But when I come in here, if I go like this, yeah, it's okay. Aren't you, you all right? You having a bad day? I, see, I can't even be down because you notice and it makes you feel awkward. You can't do that. So you learn to endure some things. There are some of you in here right now going through some of the hardest times of your life right now. How wise of you to be where God told you to be. If you're ever going to be trained as a good soldier, if you're ever going to learn this hardness, that's what has to happen. So in all of these years, I've seen so many, so many be killed in this spiritual warfare. A good soldier must be trained, he must endure, and then finally... He must be devoted. See, it's not like the U.S. military. Look, I joined for the college and for all the benefits. 
Now I get out of here, all my colleagues will be paid for. That's why I joined. So let me get right. You're not devoted, sir. You're not devoted to the United States. You're not devoted for our freedom. So number one, you must be trained. Number two, you must learn to endure. And now you must be devoted. You know what devotion means? It means this. I looked it up. The state of being dedicated, consecrated, or solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. Solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. It also involves the yielding of one's rights to someone else. The yielding. The yielding. Give away. Give away. I give away. 2 Timothy 2, 4 said, that he may please him who hath chosen. See, when I live for Christ, it's not about what I like, I don't like, how easy it is, how hard it is. I want to please him. That's all that matters. If I'm pleasing to him, it really doesn't matter what else takes place. This is the way, we in the military, you call them lifers. That's what you are, right? A lifer. You know what a lifer does? A lifer says, this is going to be my whole life. I'm giving away. This is what I do. This is what I am. This is what I am. They just give way to it. Everything is about the military for them. By the way, I don't know about now, but to me, they were the best soldiers. You always wanted to be around an E6 or an E7 out in the field. Why? They had experience. They had years. They had knowledge. They had training. You wanted to be around those guys. But see, you don't get that in your first two or three years. You get that seven, eight, nine years down the road with all the experience you have, all the different campaigns you've been a part of. But those are the guys you want to be around. And they always seem to be the most contented and solid of people that you want to be around. Have you ever noticed most preachers, no matter what they go through, seem to be the same all the time? Has that ever dawned on you? Ever wondered why? You think everything goes their way? Man, nothing bothers him. Everything works out fine for me. Right, honey? Okay, so what happens here is simply this. In 2 Timothy 2, 4, that he may please him. It's, I'm not in this to please me. If it were, I'd have left a long time ago. Now, I'm not trying to make that sound bad. Human beings are not meant to put up with this kind of stuff, to face this kind of spiritual battle. So I am going to live, I am devoting myself to someone else. You don't do this the first day you get saved, though you should just give yourself to him. The devoted soldier lets nothing come between him, him, himself, and his duty to his Lord. Nothing, nothing, no one. I was in the military. These guys, I, I wish I'd have been older. I'd love to have been a, 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 a ranger. I really would. I wanted to do that. But I, mentally, I wasn't, I wasn't mature enough to handle it. Physically, I could have, I think, but mentally, I wasn't. Got around the wrong crowd, and this is what's happening with some of you. You're hanging around the wrong people, and they're talking to you and telling you of what's right and wrong, and they failed. That's like somebody who failed out of the army telling you what all it's about. That's foolish. What'd you quit for? Oh, you wouldn't believe if I told you. Okay, well, time out. Tell me. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always things were unfair. Tell me what's un, tell me what's fair in the military, especially during wartime. Nothing, nothing. It's your solemn duty. You have given yourself to somebody else, and this is what. Look, this thing about Christianity is not go to church on Sunday stuff. That, that I don't know how we got to this place. Look, I go to church on Sunday morning. That's it. You're you're supposed to be a devoted that I may please Him who hath chosen chosen me. He didn't draft you. You volunteered. That's what they used to tell me all the time. I'd start to complain. They said, Bell, are you RA, regular army? In other words, did you join? Well, they already knew that. 
I say, yeah. Then you have no reason to complain. Shut up. I was used to that because my mom used to say that a lot. So in the military, these types of people, like I said, are called lifers. These people are, the, they seem to be the most devoted. Their lives, they serve, they have one focus. That's what they do. Why? They devoted themselves for life. I get the feeling, maybe I'm wrong about this. Most Christians will continue to serve as long as. Loneliness is not too bad. Hardships are not too bad. But I don't have to devote every, I, I do have a life, you know. Let me say this right. You got saved, but you still have a life. This is the problem that a lot of people in the military have. They're in the military, but they still act like civilians anytime they get a chance. You're not a very good soldier. Now, I hate to put all the pressure on people to say, God wants everything you are. You do remember 1 Corinthians, what's that scripture that says? What? Know you not? That your body and your soul, I said what? No, you're not that. I used to memorize all this stuff. Yeah, 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 I'll get there. I thought I would get there. I read 1 Corinthians 6. There we go. Somebody on the platform knows something about that. Watch what it says. What? Question mark. Something had happened that made him go, what? Watch what he says. Know you not that your body is the temple. So your body, temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lives inside. God's spirit lives inside of you. Which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. You joined this all. Whether you understood all about it or not, you joined. Nobody made you get saved. For ye are bought with a price. Because of that, understand, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. Your whole being belongs to him now. It's like the military used to be. You ain't going home to mom. You belong to us now. That's what they just tell you stuff like that. And you think, no, I don't. Have oh, yeah, you do too. You don't believe me? Drop give me 20. We'll prove to you that we run your life. So all these things are going on. Those of us in the military, not fully given over to duty, we murmured and complained. We questioned everything. We looked for ways to avoid our duty. We might have been in the military, but we still had a life outside the military. Sounds like some Christians right now. We're just not that desperate to serve the Lord. We do it because we think it's kind of fun. But there are exceptions. I still have a life outside church. Okay? Those of us, we still believed we had a life outside that. We as born-again children of God are not to just do our duty, just what is required, but devote, devote our lives to Jesus Christ who called us to be a good soldier. He didn't just call us. He called us to be a good soldier. He's willing to train us and teach us and be with us and show us and guide us. He's willing to do all that. Isn't that asking preacher a little much 
to give my whole life to Jesus Christ? Quit saying I give my whole life to church. Quit, that's a cop-out. First of all, there's nobody in here, does it? When did going to church three times a week mean your whole life? When was that? Your backslidden friends and family are telling you that kind of stuff. Oh, you have to go there all the time? Drum, give me 20. Uh, that's what I'd tell them. A good soldier is a trained soldier. He's lean, he's trained, he's in shape. You'll need that ahead of time. I'm just telling you, it's coming. I was talking to somebody the other day. Don't, don't take this wrong. But when I'm gone from here, you better start figuring out what you believe and why. Because when the first sergeant and the captain's gone, you're going to be scrambling around trying to figure out what to do. That's why they always put the radio guy and the captain in the middle when you're out in the field. Because you don't want, you don't want the enemy to get to them. Are you listening to me? An enduring soldier, loneliness, difficulties, hardships, a devoted soldier, make your entire life and calls about him. Go back to 2 Timothy, and we're closing right here. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, this is where we started. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. You know, I'm trying to make you think like I was a great soldier. Um, I was either brave or stupid, but I, I wasn't a good soldier. I fussed about everything, and I became a dopehead, and I rebelled against stuff and fought my sergeants. and. And so here I am now telling you, you need to obey. I'm telling you to get in line. I'm telling you to do what you're told. You know why? Even the military, whether they recognize it or not, those are Bible principles. That's why they work. It's not because the army figured it out. It's because it's a Bible principle. God's word is true about everything. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Thou therefore endure hardness. Now he's telling you ahead of time. And he's telling you how to do this. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth. You ever been in a fight? Ladies, don't raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, bring it. Got a big scar here. Um, when you're in a fight, you're not really paying attention to the scenery. You're trying to survive. You're concentrating on what's in front of you and what needs to be done right now because this is serious. thinking so good of ourselves. We're losing this battle. The world is dying, going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, they're dying. There are people in the world right now that never even heard of Jesus Christ. In America, some of them never heard of Jesus. In America. And we sit in church and get upset with the preacher because he yelled too much. Well, if I yelled like I used to, most of you wouldn't even be here today. I used to be able to make leather chairs ring. Second Timothy chapter three, chapter two, verse three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled watch what it says. When you're in a war, entangleth himself again in the affairs of this life. You know why Christians are getting more and more involved back in the world? They're not in the battle anymore. He said, When you're in the war, you don't get entangled in the world anymore. By the way, if you study this out, what he's talking about, the affairs of this life, he's talking about business. I've checked it out. He's talking about business in particular. 
I keep telling you, business will eat up every second of your life. Like this is your whole life. Your job is your life. Once you just finally come to grips, that's not my life. It's a job. Christ is my life. I gave my life to him. He is my life. That's a job. I do it because it's just necessary. Other than that, but they will sell you. What are we going to do if you don't show up tomorrow? You don't do that for two weeks. They'll have somebody in your chair and going right on with business. So he said, the affairs of the, that he may please him. You don't get involved in the affairs of this life. You stay in the battle. Why? Because I want to please Jesus Christ with my life. We've got ourselves in a fix. It's like a person. Okay, you see all these goofy abortion things on TV now and advertisements, right? You hear about all that? And there, every, nobody's talking about the real problem. What in the world, single girl, are you doing getting pregnant? We don't talk about that. We talk about the right of a person to be able to kill a baby or let a baby live. And what time does that mean? Nobody's talking about what are you doing laying around getting pregnant to begin with. Because see, we don't want to hear that part. Christians don't want to hear it. I'm telling you, when I talk about divorce and remarriage, you ought to see some people look at me in here. You bow your head like, why does he keep saying that? There's a generation coming up that needs to hear the truth. I am not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. I Look, I know who you are. Come on. My mom was divorced. A lot of people in my own family was divorced. That's not, I'm not upset with you, but somebody's got to keep telling the truth because that's the only way we're going to become good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We've got to quit making excuses on why we can't be what God wants us to be. You're never going to be perfect, but if you don't learn how to suffer the way God talks about, you're never going to end up being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God needs soldiers. We may not be that yet, but that's what we're supposed to be. Do you want to please him? Let's just start there. The Bible says, first, there must be a willing mind. Do you want to please him? If there was a way to do this at all, wouldn't you want to please the Lord? No? Oh, I think I am? Show me that in the Bible. Show me what you're doing that you think you're pleasing God. Oh, don't steal. That's it? Wow. Going quite the extra mile, isn't it? I'm not mocking you. I'm trying to show you how ridiculous modern-day Christianity has become. just like many people in the world except in America and countries like ours, they will die for their faith at any given moment. They are living without hardly anything and have a page or a book of the Bible and they bury it in the dirt and hide it and when they get it, they will hold it to their chest and kiss that book and say, finally, I've got a piece of the word of God. They lose loved ones every day. And they have no fine building to go to. And they have no school to put their kids in. And they don't have great friends like we have here that we can have fun with. It's their life every day. That's what soldiers do. America used to be that way. Don't you agree? We left England, Spain, Europe for the cause of Christ to serve him. We went against everything to establish America. And it wasn't just for our freedom and to make money. It was for the cause of Christ. Learn your history. We've changed like our military's changed. I wouldn't give you a dime. I, I, it scares me when we find out we may have a war here, here, and here. We don't have enough to take care of this country. We're in trouble, folks. 
But worse than that, a lot worse than that. If that makes you concerned, if you knew much about Christianity, you'd really be concerned. Because all nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. God said, you forgot me. We've got to get serious about this. We can't serve the God just out of convenience. You can't do it. Okay, we're having a Sunday school campaign. I don't know. You want to go? I don't know. I'm not used to going like that. You know, getting up extra early. You know, they never even asked me that in the military if I mind getting up. Excuse me, George. Uh, yeah, a bunch of us are assembling, so we go to breakfast. You want to go to breakfast with us? Not one time did they ask me that. Hey, time to get out. Everybody get out. Yeah, get out of bed. Boy, we think you're at home. Well, what am I at? What time? It doesn't make any difference. Get out of bed. Then you go out and stand in the dark. And then when you finally get in to eat, they tell you you can't chew it. Eat it later. I thought, I don't believe this. I left home for this. I thought the same thing about Christianity. My brother said, you can't do that anymore. Oh, no, this is what we do. No, we got to go to church. No, we're not allowed to do that anymore. I thought, what is this? What is this? And now look what I'm doing. I'm telling you the same thing. You know why? It works and it's right. God's not making suggestions. He's telling you what he needs and what you ought to do. Now go serve him in Jesus' name.